For everyone out there, I have a bug bite on my arm. West Nile. Bug bite! That sounds like a song, Fernando. <laughs> bug bite's gonna get you. Bug bite! Coming at you from Southern California, this is The Keeg. I'm your host, Dimitri Pereira, and today we have some news for you. We have some talking for you. We got some walking for you. That's not true. We don't have any walking for you, but we will have a lot of talking for you. Uh, Mostly about Spider-Man Homecoming and a couple other news segments but before we get started, I want to introduce you to my two lovely guests. On my left, I have Matt Holland. What's up, y'all? How you doing today, Matt? Fabulous. How's your hair doing? Fabulous. Uh, yeah, 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 it is. And Fernando, uh, Fernando Funes. Is it Funes or Funes? Funes. Okay, so no tilde over the end. Is that what it's called? Yeah, the I little didn't know squiggly. That was a, there was a name for that little squiggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the enye. Enye sound, right? Oh. No, the enye is in the letter. Well, yeah, but the enye, the enye has the tilde on the top. Yeah. Yeah, right? Oh, okay. Uh, I thought but, it was just a cool mustache that letters had. Yeah. <laughs> it's know. more like a toupee. Yeah, it's true. Uh, <laughs> right? Like, it's, it's on top. It sits on top. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know why I always I always just like imagine, and it's not only your last name; it's like other people's last names. Like I just imagine tildes over and ends. My name has been mispronounced a million times. It's 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 all good. It's okay. Funes, Fernando Funes, uh, Fernando Funes. Uh, depending if you want to say Spanish or English, <laughs> if you do Portuguese, you say Fernando Funes. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, because you were in Brazil, right? Yeah, yeah. So it, yeah. over there, my name is Nasley. It's Fernando. <laughs> yeah, because ends are nasally for some reason. Yeah, that's weird. Um, <laughs> uh, how you doing today, Fernando? I'm doing good. Excited to be on here. Thanks for having me on here. I'm a closeted comic book geek. Yeah, are you in the closet? Come out about Come I mean out. Co- about comic books. Uh, I think uh, people, you know, people aren't aware that I'm a comic book geek. Yeah, they just don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, this is this is the place to scream it from the mountaintops. I feel like I'm one of those 1950s characters in the movies. Where you know the character's gay, but they never call it out. You just mm. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel that's what those are comic books in me. People just know I like comic books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People who know you know. Yeah. Right? You don't have to be like Elton John where he like he came out like tens, tens of, well, no, but he actually came <laughs> out like tens of, you know, 20 years after we all knew he was gay, right? Yeah, it was obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, well, good. So for those of you out there, uh, Fernando's not gay, but he is a closeted comic fan. Yes, but this is my coming out party. There we go. There we go. Uh, I have a question for you guys, and just uh, real quick, what are you guys looking forward to? Like movie-wise, what geek movie, what superhero movie are you guys looking forward to? Matt? Um, I would have to say Infinity War because I just want to see who the hell is going to be in this thing. Like how... How wide is the net uh, that they're going to be casting on this? Like, are we going to loop in some of those uh, Netflix guys and get them in there, for, even for just like a second? I doubt it. I feel like the Netflix Marvel Universe is like the stepchild. Like, they don't want to acknowledge them unless they have to. 
You know, like they're like, oh, we're they're there, but we're not going to bring them in. <laughs> I mean, they don't have to put an Iron Fist, but you know, a Daredevil <laughs> would be nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Um, I mean, the way that it seems to have been going is that the Netflix shows will reference the greater Marvel universe, but the greater Marvel universe never has referenced anything from the Netflix shows. Like that if, sucks. You, if you notice that, you know that's terrible. But uh, we'll Somebody see how Infinity War goes. Somebody get some legal advice from a certain uh, avocado at law. We were talking about that. <laughs> was it last week or the week before? But I was saying, like, if you had to put your money on someone from the Netflix show crossing over into the bigger universe, who would it be? And I said that I think it's easier for them to just take Jen, uh, Jerry Hogarth, um, what's her name, Carrie Ann Moss's character. Oh yeah. yeah. Just to bring in legal advice. They would just bring in her and then she would be there for like a minute. You know what I mean? Like that a, makes sense. Figure like it's more likely the lawyers from that universe will like, you know? High-powered lawyers are like superheroes. They can do certain things that other lawyers can't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fernando, what are you looking forward to? I want to see Deadpool too. Mm. Uh, when I was a kid, it, it seemed bizarre. The fact that Deadpool has, had a movie to begin with was pretty amazing. But now that Cable's going to be in it, it seems like all, all of X-Force. Like, that's that's pretty exciting. Plus, I've been watching advertisements every day for Josh Brolin's getting ripped to play Cable. <laughs> and it has him, like, pictures of, like, being pumped and his hair is all silver. Yeah. And I was I was, I was bummed because I wanted John Hamm to play Cable. I'm a big John Hamm <laughs> John Hamm playing Cable? Uh, well, because Rob Liefeld tweeted, he actually he got a picture of John Hamm. And he doctored it so he could look like Cable. Oh, yeah. So Rob Liefeld was pushing for John Hammond's Cable. Mm. And then that guy from Avatar, they learned from Avatar. I, that was my pick. Uh, yeah. Scott. Um, Forget his name. Not Scott Lang. Uh, Stephen Lang. Yeah. Scott Lang's Ant Man. Great. Mm -hmm. But Stephen Lang literally looks like Cable. Like I knew that like when I was watching Avatar. And he's like, he had silver hair and the beard, and he's ripped. Oh, God. And yeah. he's like, yeah. he's just yoked. Give him that little metal faceplate thingy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're gold. Yeah. Give uh, him everybody the knows eye. that John Hamm is Reed Richards in the mm. ideal world. You think? Oh, okay. God, yes. Do you yeah. think he's lanky enough to be Reed Richards? I don't uh, think so. Get, get his ass on a treadmill, and we'll be good to go. Lose <laughs> weight. And then get Charlize for Susan. <laughs> Sounds yes, like please. a soft core erotic thriller on Cinemax with those two. Charlize. Get Joe Manganiello for the thing. <laughs> no. I, I want a thing that can believably beat the shit out of me. I not not Billy Elliot. Oh uh, yeah. I my pick for, okay, if I was gonna fan cast Joe Mange Mangel Manganiello. He, was on Manganiello. Yeah. he uh if I was gonna typecast or not typecast him, fan cast him. As anyone, it would be Marvel's Hercules. Oh, dude, fuck he would yeah. rock it as Hercules. He looks just like him. Okay, yeah. I, I can totally get that's down with that. That's my pick, so I wouldn't waste <laughs> him. But he's already Deathstroke in the DC universe now. Are you serious? Yeah. 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 Was he the Deathstroke in that in that leaked footage from Ben yeah. Affleck? That's yeah. him. Yeah. Oh, and that weird footage that was like on a big TV. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like when they were because he's <laughs> like I think he's in Justice League for like a little bit. Oh, okay. I think that's why. I think that's what they were filming. I'm not a big DC fan. I'm like Marvel all the way, but Deathstroke is a pretty cool villain, though. He is he is pretty badass. Yeah, if they do him right. Like, I feel like lately the characterization of Deathstroke has been more like, hey, I'm just a armored badass with a sword. But, like, Deathstroke originally, he was like, he had this whole thing with the Teen Titans. And I feel like that part of his characterization is gone now. That's true. Like, I've been reading, like, the revamp, and all the books are just like, 
all right, we're going to throw 100 ninjas at you, and you're going to kill them all in a badass way. Oh, but then it turns out someone from your past fucked you over. Yeah. And you're going to spend four issues getting justice. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fun story, but you're right. It's, there's not much depth there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, I mean, because he started off, you know, being the mercenary uh, arch nemesis of the Teen Titans, and then he had a lot of, like, other, like, in, like his problem was he also get kept getting taken down by kids, right? <laughs> like, no. that's a, kind of a thing about, like, Teen Titans villains is, like, they all get taken down by kids. And that and how he can take down 100 ninjas, but he can't ta- take Do down five-powered kids. Dude, kids are fucking crazy, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? What, what do you mean about branding? Oh, well, the X-Men are teens, too, right? But they fight Agneto all the time. That, they technically fight terrorists, if you really think about it. Yeah. Yeah, true that. Uh, it's kind of weird to get kids involved in those like missions and stuff, you know? Yeah, true that. If you think about it. Robin, too, right? <laughs> like Robin and Batman. And we all know how that guy turned out. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, just Jason Todd. Yeah, you know. Ended badly. <laughs> but um, he came back as a badass called yeah. the Red Hood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm personally looking forward to Black Panther. Ever since that trailer came oh, out, yeah, the tra- I totally Run forgot the about that. Yeah, ever since the trailer came out, I if it is exactly what I'm I'm thinking it's going to be with like what I saw from the trailer, uh, it needs to win a couple like Academy Awards for like set design, for costume yes. design, for yeah, it's beautiful. It looks beautiful. Thank you, Jack Kirby. <laughs> yeah, they're going like this Jack Kirby aesthetic recently, and I'm a big fan. Well, that's good, you know. He needs to be honored, you know, because Jack Kirby, you know, unless you're, like, a geek, you probably don't know who he is. Yeah. So it's good that he's being honored in these, like, visual aspects and aesthetic aspects. Yeah. And I think they're, like, adding his name to the end of credits now and stuff, right? Yeah. It'll say, like, you know, special thanks to, you know, Jack Kirby and Brian Bendis and yada, yada, yada. Oh, yeah. I saw that one. I, I saw, yeah, um, at the end of Spider-Man Homecoming, Dwayne McDuffie. Uh, his name was on it. So really? I'm, I'm, yeah, and I'm trying to figure out who, like, what, not who joined. Dwayne McDuffie created Static, and he he did a lot of other stuff. With did DC he and even Marvel. write Spider Man at any point? Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of like what contribution he had to Spider Man. But that's something I guess we'll talk about at the end of the show when we talk about Spider Man Homecoming. Of course, yeah. Um, what I wanted to tell you guys out there is just some really quick geek news for this week. Uh, aside from Spider-Man Homecoming coming out and that being the big uh, uh, big brunt of the news, uh, there has been uh, some recent news about the new Ant-Man and Wasp movie. Randall Park, actor Randall Park, uh, has been cast as Jimmy Woo. Now, those of you who have read the comics know that Jimmy Woo is an agent of Atlas, um, which is this total like B-movie type superhero team. Uh, they're totally B movie looking uh, <laughs> team. There's uh, a gorilla in there that talks. Yeah, and there's it's a wonderful. robot. Uh, there's a robot there. Well, they're like the 1950s Avengers from like that Avengers Forever like miniseries, and then they're like, oh, we got to re- repackage these, these characters. Yeah, was that a retcon though? I think it was because they they came. If you read that Avengers Forever, mm-hmm. like in the 50s, there's these Avengers from the 50s, right? And it's all the same agents of Atlas. Just someone, some of the writer took these characters. Oh, let's make them. The agents of Atlas. Now. Yeah, um, but in this, he's going to be an agent of Shield. So it makes you know. I don't know exactly what they're going to do with Agents of Atlas, or um, but you know, Jimmy Woo is coming. 
which I, th- I think is really cool just having another uh, um, another like Asian American character uh, in comics or in well not only in comics but like in movies well you I know? mean just in media in general I yeah. know like uh, how Y5O had those two Asian actors walk out because they felt they were they were being paid as the main actors and it was yeah. more of a political statement as well so. yeah which which I thought was interesting um, is that yeah Daniel Day Kim and um, I forget uh, Grace Young or Grace Park Grace Park That's uh, she they both uh, yeah, they chose not to go on further with Hawaii Five O because they're not being paid as much as their uh, the white male two lead actors, and so I mean you can argue that their characters aren't as important, but if you watch the show, they have storylines every single episode devoted to them. Like they are integral characters in that show. Uh, my dad watches that show a lot, and so we used to watch it a lot together. Yeah, and then now I don't really watch it, but he continues but the point being is that um whereas in all those other tv shows and movies where there's a there's a dispute a lot of the times the cast sticks together and shows solidarity with each other uh it didn't happen this time right because wasn't the entire friends cast making the exact same amount of money yeah. it was like a million an episode or something like if that. the last season friends uh each of the six uh characters were making a million dollars per episode. And that was only because they stuck together and they made it. Because otherwise, you know, Rachel would have gotten paid more than Phoebe. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Uh, but they stuck together and that was awesome. They were friends. They were actual <laughs> friends. <laughs> IRL friends. Uh, but in Hawaii Five-0, I mean, they've, Hawaii Five-0 is probably on its seventh or eighth season right now. Oh, shit. It's um, been on for like, a while. It's been on for a while. And yeah, you would think that Scott Kahn and, and, and the other guy would have stuck together with these two, but they didn't. And I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but it doesn't doesn't sit well with me. You know what I mean? You know, I totally relate with you too, because it's just called Hawaii Five O. Hawaii is known for its like diversity of yeah. people and to like cut two of your biggest stars. I haven't seen the show, I'm not a fan, just yeah. like reading from that. It seems like I don't know, like it, you would make an effort to keep them somehow. But they didn't, so no. I don't know. It's yeah, a, it, that's bad PR for them. Someone dropped the ball right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Jimmy Woo, sorry to the yeah, yeah, no, Jimmy Jimmy Woo's coming, and I mean we don't know much information other than yes, it's great that they're gonna there's gonna be an Ant Man sequel, which includes the Wasp and it includes Jimmy Woo, and I think that's uh worth waiting on for more news to come about before. Talking more about it, but I think it's interesting. Quick question: Does Agents of Shield ever make references to the Netflix Marvel TV universe? No. Okay. Question <laughs> answered. <laughs> <laughs> A cool new development is the new Super Mario Brothers themed Monopoly that is coming out soon. Uh, it's supposed to reinvent the classic, you know, because. Uh, Monopoly has had a lot of like different themed monopolies, right? There's like a Simpsons monopoly. There is an everything monopoly. Yeah. yeah. There's I, I'm pretty sure there's like a Walking Dead monopoly. You know what I mean? Is she like a Saw monopoly? <laughs> That'd Did be crazy. Do, like, monopoly crossed over with other board games. Is there like a Yahtzee monopoly? <laughs> That's too much. Because then there would be a Monopoly monopoly. Or a Ouija monopoly. Widgeopoly. <laughs> uh, this new Super Mario monopoly is supposed to have power ups. Um, and uh, a lot more different things, which makes it seem like they're really going to be straying away a little bit from the normal format of Monopoly in order to have the addition of power-ups and boss battles. Um, And uh, 
basically, and what I'm reading, power-ups will require a separate die and give players a boost for cashing out from the bank and racking up board spaces. And each character has a unique skill, just as they would in a standard Mario game. So this is more than just a Mario-themed Monopoly. The whole format is different now. Like, wow. I think that's interesting, you know? Mm. Almost a... It might as well be its own game. Right. But Monopoly is its own brand, and it's a huge brand, right? Like, Monopoly... Yeah. So what would, like, the, how would you incorporate, like, the real estate aspect? Would you just kind of, like, <laughs> own different <laughs> lands? Like, okay, you know, you took over the Mushroom Kingdom. You got, you know, the, like, where they have, like, all the ice stuff and, you know, the, the desert. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh, there was, in Super, or in Mario Party 7, I think it was... Uh, there it was either seven or eight. There was a uh, game in it where you can go around the board and set up hotels. So it was almost like Monopoly in Mario Party. So maybe it's like that, but a board game version. That's so bizarre. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, here's a question for you guys: uh, What brand, what franchise would you combine with a board game? Or Fernando, I know uh, you like video games. Uh, what would you combine together? All right, I'm sorry. I, I'm not a big fan of board games. I hope I'm not offending anyone out there. But I like video games, though. Yeah. And the video game I want to make, once I'm rich and famous, hopefully, <laughs> is I want to make uh, I want to make a like a 1990s uh, Street Fighter game with 80s rock stars. So it'd be like the Smiths versus like Echo and the Bunny Man, and then I, I, I would throw in random characters in there like Tom Sizemore. And his power up would be that he gets bigger. <laughs> <laughs> that would be his like power up. And if it was like Smiths, are you, is anybody a Smiths fan here? Not really. Oh, no worries. Well, there's like a song <laughs> called "There's a Light That Never Goes Out." So Morrissey, instead of like throwing adugits or like those whatever those fireballs, Hadouken? Hadoukens, yeah. yeah, he would throw a, like uh, a double decker bus at people, and nice. that'd be his like fireball. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're like a music geek, I'm a big music geek. Yeah, so see, I'm not, I'm not so much, but it sounds, it sounds funny. Like I'll play it. You make oh. it, I'll play it with you. Oh, thanks, man. It'd be like Marvel versus Capcom two, like the best one, I guess. And, nice. And would it be Morrissey? He'd be like Magneto. He he wouldn't walk. He would just float like a Christ-like figure. Would he <laughs> yell at people for eating meat? Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. See, I need that, yeah. And, like, their finishing moves would all be references to their songs. So, like, uh, uh, like How Soon Is Now, maybe that power-up could be, like, everything just slows down Ooh. for everybody else except for Morrissey, and he could beat you up more. Ooh. Yeah, with poetry, though. It'd be cool to get the rights to the music and put that on there, right? Yeah, so I was thinking it'd be impossible to do that because it'd be so many different artists and labels that you'd have yeah. to give them fake names. So instead of calling him Morrissey, it'd be, like, The Smith. Mm. Or something like that, you know. Interesting. And like the villain, you know, like how in like those games, there's like a huge David. There's a huge like apocalypse. Yeah, it'd be David Bowie. It'd be a huge David Bowie who they'd have to fight. Okay, <laughs> that'd be that. That's that's my dream. Hopefully, one day I'll make it. Yeah, I'll play it with you. <laughs> we'll play it here live. <laughs> Matt, what do you got? Uh, sticking with the. Uh, the video game board game combo theme. Uh, I'd want to see a Kirby Hungry Hungry Hippos mashup. Oh, would it sick. just be Hungry Hungry Hippos? Uh, it would just be yeah, pretty much, but with like little Kirby's, and you just suck up balls and all kinds of other random treats that he likes. Oh, I guess it could work with Yoshi if you really wanted to do it that oh, way yeah. too. Can we throw Metroid in there? 
Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, I think that would be kind of a fun little combo. Yeah, it'd be funny. Kirby just going like, but you got like a little like sound system to it. Yeah, like when you hold down the button, it makes that like that vacuum noise. That it is, yeah. I would do like a "Don't Wake Daddy" Sonic, um, Ooh, and it would be work? called "Don't Wake Robotnik." Don't mm. wake Robotnik. <laughs> I thought that was uh, the Eggman. Well, yeah. Well, don't wake the Eggman. There's doc. Yeah, Doctor Eggman is Doctor Robotnik. <laughs> I think Robotnik was his name on the cartoon. Oh, that's right. Doctor Eggman is the translation. Which cartoon? Because there was two cartoons at the same time, and it always confused me. Really? There was. Yeah. Did you remember that? There was like the really serious dystopic. Uh, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog on Channel 7 where it was serious and oh, they were just yeah. they're like rebels the cool or something. Song. Yeah, and then there's like silly like Bugs Bunny one inspired one where it's just him. Like chili dogs and stuff? Yeah, like chili dogs. Yeah. But they were at the same time. It was such a bizarre... Really? Like, I thought, I thought the, the, like, the kind of goofier one was like the first one. Yeah, that was the one with Jaleel White vo- voicing Sonic. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. oh wow. That makes Didn't sense. did he voice it in like all the cartoons? No, I don't think. Oh. He, I don't think he did. I think he did it for that stretch. You know what it is? I think because of syndication. Oh, that could be. That's yeah. probably what happened. Yeah, one that of the, makes which one came out first was just syndicated longer. Yeah, it's, that so, was the Chili Dog one. Yeah, it felt like they were on at the same time. Yeah, thank God for syndication because <laughs> you know you have to watch stuff that should have. Yeah, there were like ten Mario Brothers cartoons. Really? The yeah, there was like the one with the live action intro with uh, Captain Lou Albano, who was a WWF wrestler back in the day, and then there was. The one that was based on Mario Brothers three, and then there was the one that was based on Super Mario World with like all the like the cave people and the dinosaurs and like that kind of deal. Oh. So yeah, there's like a ton of different Mario shows out there. Oh wow! I and a really know. awful Mortal Kombat show. Oh yeah, there was. Oh, it was on yeah. USA Network because for a while back in the day, USA Network was trying to have kids cartoons. But all the hot properties God were taken up. Toxic Crusaders. Yeah, so they had all these <laughs> weird cartoons. Like Wait, they had USA a, or UPN? No, no, USA Network. Okay, because I know UPN had Mortal Kombat, a live action TV show. No, but this was a kids cartoon. Though. Oh yeah, yeah, because it had it had the cast from Mortal Kombat three, mm. which if you read, because that was one of my favorite games of all time. If you read the like that video game, it was really dystopic. That like Shadow Realm finally takes over Earth, mm. so all of Earth's heroes are fighting on Earth and they're killing people, but mm. they couldn't translate that to the cartoon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was weird about the '90s was there was a lot of rated R movies that were made into cartoons for kids. Yeah. Yes. So Robo yeah, Cap. Toxic Toxic Avenger. Yep. Fuck that movie. Uh, oh my Robocop god. Had, Robocop oh, had two sorry. cartoons. Did he? I think yeah. he just had the one. No, Robocop oh had God. two. Really? Um, the Rambo cartoon. Rambo had a cartoon. Conan had a cartoon. Yes. I remember the Conan cartoon. Conan. The Adventurer. <laughs> Was there a Terminator cartoon? A what? A Terminator cartoon? No, there's no yeah. Terminator cartoon. That would have been Maybe, awesome. You know. Yeah, seriously. Um, I mean, there was the uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles live action show. That was pretty cool. Did you guys watch that, that one? Mm-mm. It had uh, Lena Headey. Um, who is that again? Uh, she's um, what's her name on Game of Thrones? Cersei. Uh, Cersei, yeah. yeah. And so she was Sarah Connor, and like it was a pretty cool show. It ran two seasons, hmm. and like uh, it ended. But uh, that that one was a really interesting one because the premise of the show is they mess with the timeline using time travel, and they change the timeline of the Terminator universe. Is it canon with the movies? Well, it was supposed to be. 
I saw it until, until the new one. I saw Terminator Genesis because my T two was my favorite movie of all time. I loved yeah. it. I got it as a gift for Christmas one year. Yeah, I just I, I love that movie. Yeah, but and every turn movie ever since keeps messing up the franchise a little bit. Yeah, and then like I saw the last one, I was like, God damn it, just what happened? Pretend yeah. nothing happened after Terminator <laughs> Two. Watch watch the extended cut where they're like playing in the playground and everything's totally cool and you know Judgment Day never happened. That's the ending that I picture for that whole thing. Nothing happened after that. Is that in the extended cut? Yep. Is that the ending? Yep. It's an alternate ending where uh, it's, it shows like Sarah Connor and she's like all old and then uh, John's playing with his kid on some playground and she's like narrating about how Judgment Day never happened and every day's a gift, yada, yada, yada. Well, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Is that, does Michael Bean in that cut too? Uh, no, he's not. <laughs> he didn't get in the second cut. <laughs> Because I know they filmed some scenes where Michael Bean visits Sarah Connor in, the, oh, in, in, yeah, in yeah. the crazy ward. So they did these awesome scenes where Michael Bean, I don't know how he does it. It's a, I don't know if it's like a dream sequence, but he visits Sarah Get Connor. Get up, soldier! Yeah, and he like cheers her up, and it's like really well lit. It's like it's like an angel. But I guess for a reason, James Cameron's like, nah, we can't have this. Oh. So they cut it. Which character was Michael Bean's character? He was uh, Kyle Reese in the oh, uh, okay, first yeah. one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How did he die in that first one? He got like his ass blown up, right? Yeah, I mean exhaustion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, to be fair, he was like from the future fighting Terminators with high tech weapons. Yeah. yeah. And he goes back to the eighties. He has to go to Ace Hardware <laughs> to <laughs> make like pipe bombs. Oh yeah. <laughs> um. So, an interesting development right now is that there's going to be a Jetsons live action TV show. It is um, from executive producer Robert Zemeckis. And in this day and age, what they're, they're really trying to mine these properties. I feel like they're really taking... They're trying to make original ideas out of unoriginal things, right? So they're trying to make franchises out of things that pre-existed. It's called fracking. <laughs> is, that, is that what it, I mean... Cultural I, fracking. Cu- yeah, kind of, right? <laughs> yeah. Did you just come up with that? Yeah. Dude, that's good. You heard it that here is, fo- first, folks. That is good stuff. Cultural fracking. <laughs> yeah. Like Fernando, college. that was, yeah, cultural fracking. Get uh, in the I, lexicon, people. Spread the <laughs> word. Attribute it to me. I feel like just ending the show right now. After that, that <laughs> was that good. shit on Urban Dictionary. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, with this cultural fracking, um, see, I'm using it, Fernando. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, with this, it's like, well, I mean, that's how we got this Riverdale show. Like, who would have ever thought? You know, and uh, the Jetsons. I mean, why is this happening? Like, what are you guys' thoughts about that? Like, mining old properties. What are we going to do, get a new Andy Griffith show? <laughs> that would be fun. You could tackle, uh, you know, things like police brutality and that kind of thing. <laughs> Barney Fife is overstepping his boundaries and abusing his badge. <laughs> That'd be so hilarious. You can get Jack McBrayer to pay Barney Fife. He just yes, please brutality. make this a thing. <laughs> He'd be awesome as Barney Fife. That's one character you're just like, oh my, Jack McBrayer is Barney Fife. Oh, it'd give his career a whole other chapter. Oh my god, that would be your pick for Barney Fife. Well, yeah, because he's such a sweet guy. But Barney Fife is like he's like an egomaniac, right? That's his thing. But he's kind of a wimp. Fucking right? authoritarian, that's what he is. Yeah, right? <laughs> I don't know. Well, because it'd be casting, right? Because you, you'd have to bring these characters <laughs> to life, but you can't just do imitations. You have to give them new voices and new interpretations. 
that a modern artist c- can can latch on to, you know? Yeah, definitely. Right. What about you? Uh, I think it's kind of fun because you can make all these, d- you can look at all these different concepts through different lenses. Like, you could do a Jetsons where it's really, like, dark if you wanted to do it that way and it's kind of post-apocalyptic. Or you can make it kind of like, you know, kind of nice, like, you know, the good future from Back to the Future 2. Uh, where everything's got, you know, you got all these modern modern conveniences and it's all very poppy and bright and, you know, awesome. That's so. true, though. You totally could do, like, so many different <laughs> interpretations of this, right? Like, that that's true. Like, uh, what if we did, like, a Blue Velvet-type Jetsons where it's very bright and poppy, but there's, like, this underbelly of crime mm. in that Jetsons world? You know, because I feel that no matter how much advance we get, crime will never go away. Yeah, right. But is it the Jess like? Is it the Jetsons, Jetsons property to like? Is it their goal to like shine light where there is darkness? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, have you guys read the Flintstones comic? Yes, and it's no. brilliant, dude. Is Fernando, it? you got like it just ended, and it was so sad. Like I, I haven't didn't finished end, it yet. It I'm didn't like end about, sadly. I'm not saying that, but it's sad that it ended. Not not like dinosaurs where they all die at the end. No, no. Okay, so <laughs> I'm gonna talk to the audience out here. If you get the chance, go out, buy a Flintstones comic off the new run. Um, it's it it's amazing. Each issue is a piece of social satire. It is, I don't know, it is a thing of beauty. And it's definitely worth checking out. And I think it's only like 12 or 16 issues. Yeah, it's 12. Is it 12? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Wait for the paperback too, if you want. Yeah, yeah. The first one's out already. I don't, I'm not sure when the volume two is out though. Oh, nice. I mean, it seems weird. It, it seems so weird that uh, the f- like that I'm saying this about like a Flintstones comic, right? But it, it it's not f- necessarily even for kids. Mm-mm. I mean, there's a scene where a pterodactyl comes in and just eats a guy in half, and they <laughs> but they do the dark humor really well, like, and they have this whole um, uh, they have this whole running joke where they don't pray to God, they pray to Gerald. Oh yeah. Because in this in <laughs> this one issue, they create religion. And like the literally the issue is about the creation of religion. And so everybody's praying to different uh types of gods. You know, that's cool. I haven't read that, but ju- that just shows you that if you have good writers and good creative people, a property and if a property is itself willing to be malleable, it can just last for a long ass time. Yeah. One of the themes in the comic is Fred and Barney are both veterans of a war in which they went to massacre the tree people. Oh, yeah, that's right. And they go to their little, um, they're like veterans, you know, support group there's thing. A, yeah, there's, yeah. And it's so weird because like. It's like a Vietnam allegory. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, yeah, because they didn't know why they were fighting either. They yeah. just were told that the tree people were savages. And, oh, my God. Uh, yeah, were I mean, they brown? They they are uh, made to they? look they are made to remember. look like almost South American indigenous yeah like uh, oh my god <laughs> yeah and, and, read this yeah it's yeah, it's, it's crazy. and they do have a support group you know as well as like there's a, another theme of like the animal appliances oh and they're just like they're dealing with their own existence as appliances right with oh, the like, the bowling ball armadillo yeah. thing yeah that sucks wow that's cool though that someone was able to like satirize that classic property while not in alienating people while being like walking them in and be like, I want to read this now. Yeah. 
There's also an issue where they where they say that like polygamy is the norm, and oh, so yeah. then monogamy is not allowed, and so like like Fred they, and Wilma are just kind of like ostracized for being you yeah. know in a marriage with just you know the two of them, and they're tr- so does it's, Barney it's, go uh, polyamorous? No, no, no. But like it doesn't focus on Barney as much as it does Fred. Like it focuses on Barney when it comes down to him being Fred's friend, but like. They, I mean, they have like a like a immigrant uh, theme to like bringing in immigrant labor, and it they, there's like some crazy stuff in the comic. Anyway, check it out. Uh, it's definitely worth it. Pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. So before we get to talking about Spider-Man: Homecoming, uh, I wanted to express my condolences to Stan Lee uh, f- because of his wife Joan Lee has just uh, passed on. Um, uh, Matt, you had some some uh, thoughts about Joan Lee? Yeah, she was kind of uh, responsible for the birth of the Marvel Universe because back in the day, Stan was writing for, I guess what was at the time, Atlas Comics. And uh, his editor, Martin Goodman, wanted, wanted him to write, you know, keep writing more and more stories. And Stan was just getting really disillusioned with it and ready to quit comics for good because he just wasn't, you know, writing the stuff that he was really proud of. And so uh, Joan told him, she said, Stan, you know, why don't you write something that, you know, you really like and that you'd be really proud of? And if he fires you, then he fires you. So what? You know, you're going to quit anyways. You at least got to write that one comic that you, you know, you did it your way. Um, And that comic ended up being the Fantastic Four. And it ended up being a huge hit. And I think we kind of all know what happened after that. So in a certain way, uh, Joan Lee was very much responsible for the huge Silver Age boom of superheroes and Marvel specifically. Never underestimate the power of the woman you love to give you a good kick in the ass when you need it. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, God bless her, because you know what? Had he not done that, yes, you know, we wouldn't have this mythology that millions, I mean, mm-hmm. billions across the world... You know, love. I remember when I was in Brazil, I, I was like downtown, and there was like a flea market, and this guy was just selling X Men paperbacks. Like <laughs> they were like this big, like the size of this little legal pad. Mm, yeah, and they were like twenty, thirty years old. Yeah, that's all this guy had. He just had X Men tiny paperbacks. <laughs> How random. Yeah, they love comics over there. Like mm. uh, I went to like a bougie bookstore. They had like a bunch of racks dedicated just to American comics. Yeah. And half American comics are always Marvel, so wow, what a like life changing like motivational speech right there for the universe, yeah. you know? Exactly. And so thank you, Joan. Thank you. Spider Man Homecoming came out this weekend. Uh I personally saw it on Thursday night. But we did, did you do the whole I waited in line for four hours thing? No. Hell no. No. Oh my god, yes. I love you guys. Uh, we get reserved seating because it's the 21st century. I didn't. Yes. Oh my god. Um, what? Because I got my tickets last minute because I, I went with my mom and I just like on that day I just was like, hey, you want to go? And so we went and saw it. Uh, we didn't really have like we just found two seats that worked out and we were lucky in that sense. Um, but you are lucky. Spider Man Homecoming. You guys saw it? Absolutely. Fernando? I saw it on the biggest screen this the this west of the Mississippi. Really? Uh, Edwards Big Newport 6. I think that's their claim. They have the biggest screen hmm. this side west of Mississippi. Is it bigger than the Irvine IMAX? I don't know. Maybe. Because 
there's it's, two there's two proper IMAXs because there's a million LIMAXs which have the smaller screen, but like the proper you know eighty by sixty feet IMAX screens are at uh, Universal City Walk and Irvine Spectrum. Really, I had no idea. Are, those things are fucking massive. I had no idea. Maybe I'm wrong then, but it is a gigantic. I don't know. <laughs> it is a gigantic screen though. Like yeah. it is like pretty huge. You gotta take a tape measure to it. Exactly. Like it only has one building. It has like one building assigned to it. <laughs> like the other screens, like screens two, three, four, and five, they're on the other building. Mm. Where screen one has its own building. So mm. it's pretty gigantic. Wow. All right. So love it or hate it. I really dug it. I concur. I really love that movie. I love. I love. Lo- <laughs> love Michael Keaton's mini intro. I don't know. Spoiler alerts. Is it cool spoiler yeah. alerts? Uh, so yes. So basically, I loved it too. If you have not seen the movie, uh, you stop should, listening. You should now. stop listening now. Go watch the damn movie. Yeah. Uh, just know that Matt loved it. Fernando loved it. I loved it. All right. So now we're going into spoilers. We can talk freely about spoilers. Uh, there was a lot of really cool stuff in this movie. I loved it. I thought that. Uh, Tom Holland did an amazing job. We already saw him in Civil War, so it's not like anyone really thought, like, oh, you know, he hasn't proven himself yet. Right. Like, he did really well in Civil War. Um, he had more lines in Civil War than Superman had in Batman versus Superman. Did he really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And that's su- super weird. Uh, <laughs> pun not intended, but now it is intended. Super weird. Uh, <laughs> it was a great movie. The villain was amazing. Yes, I thought... Uh Vulture was probably one of my favorite Marvel Universe villains so far. Uh, he's up there with Kingpin, I think. He was so real, mm-hmm. right? Fernando. Oh, my. I dug his whole intro. The, like, three minutes that were dedicated to him. That was so sick. Establishing his backstory. Kind of like a mini origin. Yeah. Oh, and then, like, I liked how it how it showed the consequences of, you know, when these superhero fights happen, there's all this cleanup and damage that has to be done yeah and someone's got to do it and it affects lives yeah you know he's a guy that's on the periphery whose life has been affected by this yeah you know i like that a lot too yeah and it's kind of cool that his his actual like occupation is kind of being a vulture in a sense because he's like a salvage guy you know and what do vultures do they pick from you know already you know used up stuff yeah it was yeah it was like very poetic yeah yeah without being like cheesy or corny and what's interesting is they brought in Damage Control. So in the comics, Damage Control is this company that is paid to clean up after the messes. In the movies now, it's Department of Damage Control, led by Tony Stark, or sponsored by Tony Stark, or whatnot, uh, where it's a government agency that cleans up now. It was fun, though, because it, I, I it's funny. I like the vulture off the bat, just because what he said you know, makes sense. Like, you know, like... All right, you make the mess, and now you're gonna pay yourself to clean it up. Like, yeah, like that's kind of bullshit. Yeah, but it's real yeah. though, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like even the speech he did at the end when he was talking to Peter, like Peter is not Tony Stark, no. right? He did not come from a privileged lifestyle, right? He's a kid from Queens, and he dealt with a lot of shit, right? Yeah, and Michael Keaton's character, uh, Adrian Toomes. Like Adrian also dealt with that same shit, right? They're mm. working. It's a working class hero, working class villain, right? I feel like he was planting the seeds for a future breakup with Tony Stark, at some point. Like in a future film, was going to happen where Peter Parker was like, "Oh my God, the Vulture was right," or mm. he had a point. <laughs> like, like 
not like over. It wasn't like DC style, like we're going to dedicate five minutes to making sure you get this. Yeah. It was just enough that you're a hardcore fan. Oh, yeah, they mentioned it in yeah. the film. Yeah. Um, I thought, what. There, so just talking about like the villain himself, like, first thing, his jacket was super cool. Like oh, that, yeah. that feathery, furry jacket it. thing. Well, like it. the bomber jacket, yeah. too. It was like a World War II bomber jacket with like the feathers. Yeah. Ah, it was so cool. And like it was cool how he had two models of the wings, right? He had the first model, which was smaller, mm-hmm. right? And then he had the second one, which it like looked like wings. Like when he was standing where he's standing on top of the building and his like wings kind of wrapped around him. Yeah. It was kind of like it was like a bird. It was weird. <laughs> no, it was he was like a super high tech villain. Who just had an amazing engineering staff on his part? Yeah, mm-hmm. what yeah. was actually that was what's cool. He didn't do it all himself. He right. had his like team, right? Mm-hmm. The Tinkerer, you know. Oh, was that the Tinkerer from yeah. the comic book? Yeah, that was really yeah. Phineas I, something. I had no idea. That's mm-hmm. so cool. Yeah, and he never got caught. He's still out there. Yeah, you know, he's mm-hmm. on the open market for being like a top henchman. <laughs> yeah, and Shocker's still alive. Well, the second one. One of them. You know what's cool, though? When he became the shocker, I liked how he had the, like, yellow waffle iron, like, flannel. Jacket. No, it was like like a jacket, right? Yeah. He had the jacket, but he also had, like, yellow waffle iron uh, thermal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had, like, the thermal. It was, like, yellow, and he had, like, the, like, vest. I was like, oh, he looks like the shocker. Yeah. Yeah. pretty cool. Well, it's weird, though. In the the action figure that they made of him, like, that was, like, the movie tie-in, he's got a mask, too, but, you know, he never wore it in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool that he was his henchman, mm-hmm. you know? That's good. Every villain needs, like, a top henchman. So it's cool that Spider-Man had to go through him first. Yeah. To be like, oh, okay. Yeah. And, um, well, when they kill the first Shocker guy, yeah, and, <laughs> and like, they disintegrate him, and then they're, like, uh, then they're, like, uh, uh, oh, I thought it was the anti-gravity gun. <laughs> <laughs> like, he didn't mean to disintegrate him. He just... <laughs> yeah. like, what would ah. that do though just uh, levitate him yeah yep <laughs> well because i mean with that anti-gravity gun you could have levitated him thrown up against the wall broke his bones right. oh you yeah. know what i mean like you could have been like nope you're never saying a word <laughs> otherwise we will find you but oh. no it just disintegrated him yep. uh no one saw that coming too yeah yeah well i saw uh i don't know when he was like he was like i'm out of here and like you know, I could tell everybody your secret, and I'm like, oh no, that's asking for it. Yeah, true. And that. then, so I expected uh, Adrian Toomes to just kill him outright and be like, all right, he's dead. But then when he was like, oh, I thought that was the anti gravity gun. <laughs> yeah. That I thought was the twist. You know, I there mean, was a lot of twists in this movie. I mean, we'll get to them all, but like Michael Keaton in general just gave a great performance. Yeah, as the Vulture, because. Yeah. He was he wasn't like some evil tormented bad guy who yeah. like I want vengeance and you'll pay for this. Yeah, it was more like, well, I'm a businessman yeah. and I just the government. Make a buck. Exactly. Yeah, and even in the end though, like okay, so I thought Vulture was gonna die, like when yes. that thing exploded, and because Peter, classic like Peter having to go through another tragedy type thing, right? Yeah. But he didn't, and Peter went into the fire. He saved him. He saved his life. Put him in jail so that when Matt Gargan came in and and said, "Hey, I heard you know who Peter or who Spider Man is," um, Adrian Toomes was like, "Nah, if I knew him, he'd be dead already." Yeah, that was a good like his own like criminal code of like, 
mm-hmm. you know, a life for a life type thing. Well, yeah. Well, because that's what he said earlier was that he wasn't going to kill him right there in the car. Dude, that scene yeah. where Michael Keaton is in the car with the gun and Peter's right there, right? Like, he didn't need his wings to do that. No, not at all. Right? And how intimidating was that? Dude, that was That intense. was fucking scary, man. And yeah. I like I like how he kind of like had that green glow to him at that one point. When the when the light when the light comes on. Yeah, yeah. It's a green light, yeah. And I was like, "Ah, oh, a nice little uh throwback to uh his classic outfit and whatnot." Mm. If that's what they meant, I don't know. Yeah, Maybe I don't I'm know. just grasping for straws. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's cool though cuz you know what, with all these like every superhero film what they all wrestle with is how do we take these classic characters outfits or like personas and how do we adapt them for a cinematic world where a mainstream audience doesn't have that background information of a geek or anything like that? Yeah. So it's cool how they're able to create this cinematic version of the Vulture that everyone could agree with and like without having to be, like, you know, uh, forced to deal with his, like, feather boa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever, like, cardigan, like, turtleneck. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, can you imagine, like, because I remember back in the day Ben Kingsley was, like, Stated to be like in the running for Vulture a long time ago, oh, not for yeah. this movie, but like past. Yeah, Sam Raimi years. Yeah, and it would have just been another like bald old man with wings, <laughs> right? Yeah, but like, but and that would have been just like the comics, but the comics Vulture sucked, dude. <laughs> this it, to this to the point <laughs> where like I wish they were gonna, I wish this version of the Vulture was in the comics because I think his whole motivation was amazing. Yeah, I, I really I dug the character. I never disliked them once. I mean, yeah, he was the villain. Don't get me wrong, but he wasn't a villain you hated because you could kind of empathize with him. Too, oh yeah, definitely. Know? Also, Def- with the whole zeitgeist of like the American people being wary of government to begin with. Yeah, mm-hmm. to have a criminal that's was screwed over by the government essentially. Yeah, it's like well, you can't feel too bad for him. Yeah, even though he still is a criminal. Yeah. Um, how did you guys feel about the whole Donald Glover? stuff uh i liked his performance a lot i think he's i mean i love donald glover in general like he's fantastic in atlanta um but yeah his uh his little throwback to uh his his nephew yeah <laughs> which is miles yeah um i don't know it's kind of interesting that? though oh you know that makes sense now because i know that they were clamoring for him to play miles morales right yeah. people wanted to play miles morales well no they wanted him to play a black peter parker oh yes and yes. and then miles i think that was because that was for Amazing Spider-Man. Mm. That oh, was a long right. time ago. That was for yeah. before they cast Andrew Garfield. Because Donald Glover was a lot younger back then. It was like yeah. early community, like community time. He's got to be like thirty-three now, thirty-four maybe. Maybe yeah, he's I he's like he's in his too early thirties. Yeah, yeah, way too old. Um, but like, I don't know. Donald Glover's performance. I I feel like they they should have used him more or something because. He just kind of was in two scenes, and he was just kind of high the whole time. <laughs> I, I felt like he was there just for like people clamoring for him to be in it. Yeah, like, here's like here's what you wanted. We're gonna give it to you now. Yeah. And now you can't do that. We didn't give it to you. But they gave him a strong motivation that makes it feel like he he wasn't gonna just be a throwaway character. Mm. Like they might bring him back later because his his motivation was I don't want these weapons on my streets. Yeah, right. He said that. And he was like, I have a nephew out there. Right. Right? And that motivation is such a strong motivation to just waste on just a one-time thing. Like you could see him in the sequel being like a street informant. Yeah. Like a Peter Parker. Yeah, definitely. Um, Or he starts prowling because his character is the prowler in Ultimate. Right. The universe. Oh, okay. 
Hobie Brown is the 616 Prowler, the normal Marvel Universe Prowler. But Aaron Davis is uh, the Ultimate Universe Prowler. Who's the Prowler again? I'm sorry. He is that guy with that purple and green mask that that kind of, um, he, uh, what does he do? Sorry, I'm yeah, confusing him with... I'm sorry? Oh, well, he prowls. <laughs> I think he robs from the rich and gives to the poor type. Like oh, thing. okay, cool. Yeah. He kind of has this, like, cat aesthetic, but it's not really. Well, I hope we yeah. see him again then. Yeah. Um, but at least for me, I did. I do like him, but it did feel like, I don't know if we needed him or not, but it's yeah. cool that he was in there, though. Yeah. Uh, talking about all the twists, uh, when it was revealed that Liz's dad was Adrian, the the my crowd went wild. Oh, mine did too. Like when I, what, dude, I saw this at big. <laughs> saw this at Edward's big Newport Six, which is like a bunch of like rich Newport wee people. Yeah, nothing against them, but there wasn't that much excitement. Oh, really? I was sometimes I, there was just a joke, and I'd be the only person laughing in the theater. Oh, it was kind of awkward. I was like, that was funny. <laughs> and then I'm the only one in the entire theater. That's laughing. weird. Go watch your movies in Ladera Heights. Oh yeah, different uh, crowd level <laughs> right. uh, noise volume. <laughs> I I saw it at the Cinemark in Orange, and there was a lot of kids. But also, what was really interesting, there was a lot of girls in the audience. Oh, is Tom Holland like a teeny bopper? No, like, uh, yeah, he's nope. not like a idol status. What yeah. it what it is is the shift of geekdom into uh, both uh, sexes. That's you get awesome. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's like girls are getting into comics now. They're getting into geek stuff now. Even if they just like the movies, like they right. they like the movies. Back in the day, it wasn't like that. Nope, That's there were good. there were no movies for them to like. You know, they yeah. had the uh, your choices were you know the OG Michael Keaton Batman and well, what know, about Spider Man? Spider Man, yeah, that's true, but that's about it. Yeah. That's all they had. There yeah. was no universe for these characters to be playing in and for people to know about them. Yeah, and the and and girl fans like. I don't know. The original like Nolan movies weren't really like right. I, as far as what I'm remembering from the crowd, you know. But this movie, like, I honestly like it was like fifty percent, fifty percent as far as I saw in my theater. Really? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I thought that was an interesting change, and that's like the type of change that I mean, I would mm. love to see. You know. Um, well, there's like Silk, right? There's like the she's like a like Asian Spider Woman, right? Yeah. What about her? No, I'm saying like that's like a new character oh, yeah, that yeah, they yeah. can latch on to as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like th- with Marvel, at least with, what they're doing great is they have all these new female superheroes. Yeah. Of like diverse backgrounds that people can relate to and yeah. like you know empathize with. Yeah. Um, talking about diversity, uh, how'd you guys feel about like, like the fact that like queens actually look like queens, right? You know, it's for the funny, first time, yeah. <laughs> I think Queens is like one of the most diverse places on the planet. Yeah. I think like someone from every country. Like lives there. I was watching a documentary. There's this group of Honduran, of Afro Hondurans, who they all can trace their lineage from a crashed slave ship. So the slave ship crashed in Honduras. They kept alive. They immigrated. Some of them immigrated to Queens, and they can date back their lineage back to this crashed slave ship. That's crazy. And the only ones outside of that Honduran like beach, I guess, whatever, they're in Queens. Oh shit! So. Yeah, so Queens is pretty diverse. So I, I yeah. think it's really cool that they like, you know, it was a diverse place and it had a diverse cast. I think that was really cool. Definitely, and it didn't feel forced. It, I didn't feel like no one had to be like, 
oh, I'm going to be the Asian character now. Well, or I'm going to be the Hispanic. Because, like, yeah, nobody really called attention to what their ethnicity was. Right. Because mm-hmm. you don't that need to. But whatever way you do it, it's just like, basically what it comes down to for me personally is like proportional representation. Mm-hmm. Okay? When there are TV shows that are based in New York that are all white casts and they only seem to hang out with white people and there's no colored people there, Friends or How I Met Your Mother even, and I love both of them, but come on. Like, Aisha Tyler was like the only black character in Friends. And they're in fucking New York, dude. Yeah, a little uh, little bit inaccurate. Right. And so Queens, what was... There was a couple levels to the whole Queens thing, which is also that he went to kind of like a STEM high school, right? He went to a specific yeah. high school for like yeah. kind of nerds or like smarter kids. That's yeah. kind of one of the one of the few problems I actually had with the movie is Peter Parker just being one science nerd among a sea of science nerd. Like I think that kind of took away from what made him special. Uh, you know, like within the comics and stuff, he was like this ultra brainiac with like you know a bunch of fucking, you know, Joe Averages around there, and that's kind of partially why he was so ostracized from everybody else, because he was, like, you know, the nerdy science guy, and everybody else is, you know, going to parties and, like, that kind of thing. Yeah. here Here's... That's true, I, though. You're I, totally right. Yeah, he was just, like, brainiac super nerd who everyone's like, you're weird for reading books and being smart. Yeah. We're not going to be your friend. But, you know, the, the whole puny Parker thing. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, though. I'm going to disagree with you. And the reasoning behind it is especially if you've ever seen 21 Jump Street, in this day and age, it's not, it's not looked down upon to be smart. It's not. When you're in high school, the people being picked on are not being picked on because they're smart. They're being picked on because they lack social skills. They're, they're being picked on because uh, maybe they farted in class once. I don't know. But the point being is it's not just the smarts that are the problem. So these nerds... Uh, and I went to a I went to a tech high school, so maybe my you oh know, nice my my thing is a little bit different. What high school was it? Troy, Troy High School. What are what's the name of the mascot? Uh, Troy Warriors. Go Troy Warriors! Troy. Class of two thousand six. Six. Yeah. Uh, so basically, the whole thing is that like everybody there is smart, right? In not in Troy, but I mean at the high school that that. Uh, Let's Spider-Man. face it. Everybody at Troy was smart. <laughs> everybody, or at least everybody that I know that went to Troy was smart as hell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the point being is that in Spider-Man: Homecoming, in that in that uh, high school, everybody's smart. But that's they didn't dislike Peter because he was smart, unless it was he was he because he was so much smarter than everybody that Flash Thompson was jealous because Flash Thompson also had. Wrong answers. They kept saying that, right? right with their aca- well, uh, academic decathlon. What sucked is for if you're Flash Thompson, is that Peter Parker is smarter than me, and he's a flake. He's the flakiest yeah. of the flakes. It was the flaky. It was the flaky thing that yeah, I. But thought. he's still smart. No matter how hard I work, whatever things I have, I'll yes. never be smarter than Peter Parker. Yeah, right. And that I mean that would drive anyone. And mad. it made him feel inadequate because he has money. Like the Fla- uh, Flash Thompson had money, you know. And Peter doesn't, and there should be no reason why Flash can't just be just better than Peter. But he isn't. And so I feel like in this day and age, that is kind of what makes Peter an outcast. He can't be counted on, so that's why he doesn't have any friends. It's not that friends are like, ew, smart people, I don't like you. No, it's... You're gonna uh, get your nerd germs it's on It's like me. every time I invite you to someplace, you back out, and that's fucked up. 
Like well, we all know people that like just flake out and they like don't show up and you ask yeah. them to hang out and they don't hang out and you don't like them because of it. Yeah. We're and going going off of that though, I think there should have been more consequences for Peter. I think that what the one of the really great things about Spider-Man is that when things are going awesome for Spider-Man, things suck for Peter Parker and vice versa. Yeah. And there were no uh there wasn't really as much of a trade-off with this movie, I think. You know, like I think that Peter should have gotten kicked off of the decathlon thing for like like missing out on the the competition thing like mm. and cuz there was a consequence for being Spider-Man yeah. and there should be a consequence for Spider-Man for doing Peter Parker stuff mm. you know if he's busy being social or doing things with his family or whatever um there should be some kind of consequence for Spider-Man. Somebody should die. You know mm. him. Ooh, shirking. that's a big consequence. Yeah, though. him. It's him. You know, shirking his responsibility of that. Yeah. Instead, so. exception after exception gets made for Peter Parker because of how smart he well, is. Well, but that's yeah. life, though. <laughs> that is true. If you are that level, and we're talking just academic decathlon, and, and well, I mean, in anything, if if because it's happened to me before, I'm sure it's happened to you guys. If you're good at something in some area that people like, you know, we need you to do this, or yeah. we need you to perform when it's time to perform, they'll make exceptions for you. Yeah, you know? and it's mm-hmm. it sucks that that's how the world works, but. You know, if I'm good at something and I'll get special treatment for it, why would I deny that? Yeah. And I think that reflects more on Martin Starr's teacher character, mm. right? That oh. he was the one making exceptions for Peter. He had an awesome joke too, where they did the like school thing, where he's like, he's like, you know, I'm glad we all made it back this time. You know, oh. I can't stand losing another kid. It was such <laughs> a small joke. It was so epic, though. Oh, dude, did you guys notice that Kenneth Choi's character, the principal, the Asian principal? He was um, Chester Ming in Wolf of Wall Street, right? Maybe. I think so. But also, did you guys notice the Easter egg? Uh, I didn't see it myself, but I read about it online. Basically, he played one of the Howling Commandos in Captain America. So how can he be a Howling Commando in Captain America and the principal in this movie? Infinity formula. Well, guess what? In the movie, if you look at the principal's office, he has a black and white picture of his grandpa from World War II. Oh. He's playing his own grandson. That's pretty dope. Which was really cool. Like, that's how you know you made it in Hollywood. The way <laughs> you they play your own grandson. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's like how you know you made it. Like he, you know, they made an exception, like continuity-wise. Like you'd be like, well, he can't play his own grandson, but like, no, let's just do that. <laughs> and they made sense of it, though. You know it'd be cool if they made a Spider-Man 2099 and they had him go to high school <laughs> and he's still the principal. <laughs> but it's his great grandson. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a like a laser projected photo of him like yeah. World War II. Yeah. Not even World War II, like World War Three. Yeah. <laughs> we beat the Martians. Um and uh so yeah, I, I remember when like so when Flash Thompson was declared like uh, Tony Revolori was declared as Flash Thompson. Everybody was like, this isn't Flash Thompson, blah, 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 blah. But bullies nowadays, they're not the same type that they were back in the 60s, right? Well, again, you know, I think it speaks to modern interpretations of these classic things for modern audiences. You know, so it's it's not too far-fetched to see Peter Parker in this, like, technical high school with kids of diverse backgrounds when you're living in a diverse area of New York City. Yeah. So there, the bully's not going to 
torment you physically. He's yeah. Torment you with like you're poor and yeah. you'll always be poor. Yeah. So like you know, it's I, psychological I, humiliation, right? Yeah. And which nowadays people, that's what people are worried about. You know, whenever you post anything on Facebook or tweet, you always have that underlying anxiety: Are people gonna like this? Am I yeah. gonna get fucking trolled? Yeah. You know? Exactly. Like they, sh- they should have had a scene in the movie where. Penis Parker is a trending Twitter topic. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, well, if you think about how tr- how Twitter works, it wouldn't make sense. That's true. Even if every kid in that high school tr- uh, tag like tagged Penis Parker. Penis Parker in the in the in the morning high school TV show. <laughs> yeah, that could have yeah. been that could have been. By the way, how weird were those kids in that that high school that morning talk show? That was uh, that was interesting to see. I mean, I always thought the kids that did like that announcement stuff in school were always kind of weird. So I think it kind of fit with that quite yeah. nicely. <laughs> uh, except that there was a nice little visual element to it, like on the TVs, rather than just, than yeah. just hearing them on like the intercoms. Yeah, it was weird because Angori Rice, who was the little blonde girl, she was in. Um, yeah. she was in the. Uh, um, what what was that Russell Crowe, Ryan Gosling movie? Oh, the uh, other guys? Was yeah. it the other guys? Yeah, yeah. she was uh, Ryan Gosling's daughter in that. Oh, that's right. And she, when she was declared for this movie, people were like, okay, she's going to be Gwen Stacy. And like people just thought that. And what's weird is she looked like her in mm. this movie, but she was Betty Brandt. Yeah, I thought that was kind of weird. Which was, there was a lot of weird left turns in this movie. I love this movie, right? I give it a 95. That's my personal opinion. I don't know a number to give it. I'll give it an A. How about that? Out of 100 is what I'm saying. Uh, I would say A- minus for me. Okay. If I had to apply so a like a 92. Yeah. It's like a 92. I'm like a solid A. Well, you know, I did... I liked the first Spider-Man a lot for nostalgic reasons, sentimental, because I saw it at the Downtown Disney Theater, like in their big one. Mm-hmm. It had been waiting for years. I remember because, uh, what's his name? Uh, James Cameron was supposed to direct it <laughs> yeah. years ago with Leonardo DiCaprio as Spider-Man, right? But whatever, it fell through, right? Yeah. So then when they finally made it and heard about Sam Raimi, how he was like a huge Spider-Man fan, it was awesome. Yeah. And then Spider-Man 2 was freaking awesome. And Spider-Man yeah. 2 was eh. And then Spider-Man with, James, with uh, Andrew Garfield was fucking terrible. Like, it was such a bad movie. And watch the sequel. I was like, I knew the sequel was going to be so bad I didn't watch it. Yeah. So then to finally have a good Spider-Man movie where, like, okay, no origin story, no Uncle Ben pathos, no, like, emo Spider-Man trying to, like, feel better about himself. Yeah. It's just, oh, he's just a kid who's trying to prove himself, but he's not ready yet. Yeah. And he's not ready, but then he proves himself when he thinks he he's not. Yeah. And they had an awesome homage to that classic, like Steve Ditko, like Spider Man. Oh, when he pushes up, yeah, oh, when he the, lifts the that. Rubble thing. Yeah. yeah, that was great. Yeah, that I, was I loved his performance in that little scene where, like, you could totally feel like the anguish and the struggle of him just being trapped and scared shitless that he's going to die there because he's a kid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was real. He was a yeah, and he screamed like it was so out of character, but in character at the same time because we hadn't seen that aspect of him yet. Where he thought he was just gonna die, right? Yeah, he was trapped under really the rubble, vulnerable. and he screams for help, right? Yeah. And you can hear like his That's voice sick. cracking. Yeah, it's kind of like ah. And you so, poor little deer. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I thought this movie had a lot of weird left turns because they also didn't say last names for all the supporting that cast. That was kind of interesting too, because everybody was <laughs> assuming that you know uh, Laura Harrier, Harrier, whatever you yeah, say her name, yeah. she was going to be Liz Allen. Yeah, because Liz Allen is one of the characters from the comics of his like high school career. Like Liz Allen dates Flash Thompson, and you know, and then Peter. She was like the first crush of Peter, Liz mm-hmm. Allen. Right. 
like in the comics. And so her name's Liz. We just assumed it's Alan. Turns out it's Liz Toomes. Yeah, that was uh, that was a that was a weird left turn. And it was cool that the love interest wasn't Mary Jane right away, or that it wasn't right. like Gwen Stacy. Right. Like, so that, that, that was Michelle cool. is MJ. That was. I don't know what purpose that solves. That was completely unnecessary, if you ask. Me. I personally think they should have just like nutted up and been like, "She's M- she's Mary Jane. Why not?" Yeah, if we're gonna have like, if we're gonna double, let's double down on diversity. Then then call her Michelle. You know, funny. Well, or so, so, well, some people I are saying know. Michelle Jones. That's I think what I that's was hearing her, like, as well. Uh. Michelle Jones is MJ, but like they're gonna have a Michelle Jones. Why not just have Mary Jane? Yeah, yeah. I'm fine with Zendaya being Mary Jane. Nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> yeah. There's nothing because there's nothing about her character, like nothing about Mary Jane that says she has to be white. Yeah. Right. But I think her personality in this movie was way different than like what we know from Mary Jane. Like to me, she just seemed very like, just kind of like you know, brown Daria. We also have never met Mary Jane this young. True. The closest we've gotten to is the Ultimate Mary Jane, who is a nerd. Right. Oh, okay. Ultimate Mary Jane is a nerd, and they seem to be drawing a lot of inspiration from that. But, but she w- didn't have that bitchy attitude. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. she was just kind of rubbing. No, but everybody. she was strong. Ultimate Mary Jane was like right. a lot strong. You know, like independent uh, girl. Um, but, but she still had that that very sweet kind of girl yeah. next door vibe to yeah. her. But the question is, does Mary Jane have to be girl next door? No, because in the comics she wasn't. True, she was. She you met know, him little in, Miss Party Gal. Yeah, that's how they met. That's what's thing. Of, that's the thing about Spider Man, and especially in the Sam Raimi movies, is that Mary Jane. Uh, wasn't his love of all like his whole life type girl next door, or oh, like yeah, in Raimi? That's in Raimi, that's how. Movies, yeah. yeah, but like in the comics, he meets her in college. Right, but didn't she see him like sneaking out a window like early on and see oh, him like? Yeah, and in that's what? how she knew he was Spider Man before he came out and told her he was Spider Man like in the comics. And mm. she told him he's like, well, by the way, I saw you sneak out of your window like a long time ago. Oh. I don't remember. Yeah, like I read that somewhere. Yeah. Um, I'm fine, though. Change the, You can change the characterization a little bit with Zendaya. Also, Zendaya is a very beautiful woman and um, young woman. And Laura's and, prettier. Huh? Laura's prettier. Laura's like 27, though, because that oh, is she's like, true. <laughs> yeah, she's like 27 or 28. She was yeah. tall, too, huh? Yeah. Yeah, dude, she is a tall lady. She can maybe, you know, do some Amazon stuff for the Wonder Woman sequel. Yeah. Um, but Zendaya, which is, they made her down for this. So I thought that there was going to be like a make-up moment. Do a she's all that kind of thing? Almost. Because <laughs> there's, well, yeah. To be fair, you know, there's so many more movies ahead. Because he's, yeah. he's going to be a junior now, he I think. He can go to prom next time. Yeah. He's, he's still a sophomore, right? It was all, this is yeah. on the fall semester, actually. He's 15. Now that I think about it. It's on the fall semester. We have two and a half years of, of Peter Parker in high school. Yeah, you're right, because Homecoming is in the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. So it's funny that th- that they did that. And I like that they set it up, not like in this very, like, I'm sorry, I'm going to rant here. But when I saw Batman vs. Superman, I hated the four-minute, I'm sorry, uh, uh, the the four-minute setup to the Justice League where they show, like, Cyborg. Yeah. That, like, origin story. And when the, they like, read the email. Yeah, all that, it was just terrible. It was like, we don't need this in this yeah. movie. But they they forced it. So it's cool that, that Spider-Man had all these cool potential sets for who knows what, but it wasn't in a ham-fisted way like, this is definitely on the horizon. It's like, oh, there's, yeah. there's potential here to explore. Yeah. I mean, the closest they got was Matt Gargan being like, hey, I know some guys. Yeah. 
But you like, know, I didn't even notice the little scorpion tattoo on his neck until the very end. Oh, and I was no, like, I oh, did. yeah, that's great. I did in that in the fairy scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just the name drop, Matt Gargan, like you know, um, was awesome. Mm-hmm, totally. Uh, so here, here's uh, what I wanted to close this up on. Where do you guys think the Spider-Man franchise is going? Any plot elements that you think is going to happen? Any um, is he playing a big role in the Infinity War? Like, do you guys anything I think about so. that? I think he's going to be a, like a main character. Uh, Some people are saying he's going to pick up that costume at the end of. That's what that. I was hearing as well. That uh, you know he's finally going to put that on, and that's why when they had that set photo of him and I think it was like Chris Pratt or whatever, mm. uh, he was wearing that jacket over it, and then he had like a motion capture suit underneath. Mm. So that might have been like that kind of like Iron Spider suit that they had in yeah. that little. Containment that thing. was a sick ass suit, dude. It was uh, it was something else. You didn't like it? <laughs> uh, I I had some problems with it. Like I don't, I just don't think gold belongs anywhere on Spider Man. Mm. It just looks weird. Well, to that's me. Tony trying to put his own yeah, like, exactly. color scheme. Well, I think you know if we're gonna go with the whole Tony Stark is my father and Happy Huggins my uncle mm. and Marissa Tomei is my mom, like you know trope. Yeah. I think we're gonna see Peter Parker rebel against Tony Stark at some point. If Tony yeah. Stark is going to still be the father figure. Yeah. Yeah, because Vulture planted that seed of, like, you know, he's not all what you think. Yeah. Uh, Tony Stark might F up again, because that's a common Tony Stark trope. Yeah. He Fs up, and then he tries to make up with it, but then he ends up doing other mistakes in the process. Yeah. So maybe at some point, there'll be, like, a dark Empire Strikes Back for Peter Parker, where he gives up on the Avengers and Tony Stark when he needs them the most, and I'm he gets in trouble. But totally cool with me. that, because I kind of like... Uh, I like it when people don't like Spider-Man, like in that universe. Like they think he's annoying or they're afraid of him. Yeah. But, you know, the people that really, really care about him, like really do. And they see all these positive qualities with him. Um, but yeah, I like a New York and like a superhero community that just kind of like, you know, ostracizes him a little bit. And I think that kind of adds to him and makes him interesting. Yeah. Uh, I thought that the end of Homecoming where Liz Allen literally... Like well, Liz Tombs, right? She's like, I hope whatever is going on with you gets resolved. Goodbye. And she like leaves, dude. There's no like resolution for that relationship. That relationship. <laughs> I really dug that, bath, Alicia. <laughs> I really dug that though, because you know, I think, I think we all love happy endings. We all love these classic tropes and things. You know, we love it when the hero beats the villain. We love all that stuff. But sometimes, if it's executed poorly, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Well, here it's like, well, he was a dick to her the whole time. He flaked he was, on her right? on all these things. Even at the homecoming. Yes. But, I mean, he had to. He had <laughs> and he to. he put her father in jail, and she doesn't know it. Yeah. And he uh, has to hide that from her. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> she gave him the best possible buy with, that they could possibly have. Yeah. Like, them kissing would have felt so disingenuous because he didn't earn it. He did nothing to earn it. If anything, she kept giving him chances, and he kept... He kept proving proving everyone right, but yeah. being, you know he's a flake. If you look at the old tra- the trailers for this movie, you'll see a lot of scenes that never happened in the movie. Like they cut a lot out. There is a scene in the trailer really? where Liz Allen goes to kiss Peter, oh, and they get really I close. Watch those again. Like if you watch the old stuff, you'll see what's what's not there. But that's trailers in general, though, right? Trailers mm-hmm. always have footage that they never yes show. Yes and the no. Back in the day, it used to be like maybe there was one scene that was never shown because yeah. they filmed it a different way. Or they. But did. now there's so much cut out. 
Yeah, or they cut the trailer in a way that totally sells a different movie than what is presented. Like that <laughs> so lady true. that that sued, yeah. I think whatever whatever company that made Drive, she thought it was going to be an action movie, but it yeah. was kind of like a crime thriller. Well, there's that there's that Will Smith movie where he's being visited by death, love, blah 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 blah, and I I never watched it. Have you, you Collateral Beauty? Mm. Oh, was this that. you know that trailer right? And it made it seem super cool, but yeah. turns out what it really is about is he. His company people pay actors to be death, love, blah, 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 and to impersonate those. That's literally, but that's not even a spoiler. That's how it starts. (laughs) Like that South Park episode where they can hire future versions of your child. (laughs) That's what it is. I haven't seen it. You've never seen it? No. There's a South Park episode where uh, parents can hire a future version of your child who's like this drunk, homeless mess, Yeah, they knock on your door and they say, hey, it's me, it's Dan from the future. It's me, Dad, I love you. And then they're like, I'm an alcoholic. So then that future version lives with the family to motivate Stan to do good in school and not do drugs and stuff like that. <laughs> it turns out it's a company that's behind all this. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, <laughs> it's a, they just ripped off that, st- that South Park episode. I guess so. <laughs> right. Um, my, my thing is this. So this is my force, foresight. Uh, Matt Gargan is going to be a villain in the next movie. They're, they've is introduced- Matt Gargan, though, is he like an A villain, though? No. Here's the thing. Yeah. So this, well, he's a villain, as in he's Scorpion. No, I mean, like, is he like so Vulture? If he's like a B villain, you know, like yeah. like a B level villain. In this film, he was definitely an A level villain. Yeah, I'm just saying mm. in general. Is Matt Gargan has he ever been a A level villain? No, but neither is Vulture, so we don't know. He was Venom for a little while, actually. Yeah. Matt oh, when he was on the Thunderbolts, yeah, that, like Norman Osborn run, which. Yeah. That was one of the best comic book runs ever. Yeah, like Warren Ellis and Mike Diodato yeah. Jr. That was awesome. Because uh, Moonstone in that. Yeah, Moonstone. By the way, Natalie Dormer as Moonstone. That's my pick. Like, I think she's meant to play. You know oh, who I'm talking about? Where, where, what property do you think Moonstone would will, will, will come out in? Captain Marvel. That's what I th- like. Oh, yeah, because she's one of Captain Marvel's antagonists, yeah. right? Like, similar power set yeah. and stuff like that. To the point where she becomes Miss, the Miss Marvel of the Dark Avengers. Oh, um, yeah, you're right. You're yeah. Right. My, so my, my thing is this. that y- Can you make a Scorpion an A-list villain, even though he's a B-list villain in the comic? Yes. But with the actor that they have, I don't think they're going to hinge a whole movie on that actor being the lead villain. That makes sense. So, this is what I think. I think they're going to get a mastermind. They're going to get some famous actor to play a mastermind-type villain and have Scorpion be the henchman for him. You know, I think, in general, I think if they go off that formula, I think it's cool if they get the formula of, like, a spy- two villains for every Spider-Man film. Yeah, you have the like A villain. Let's yeah. say you get your like Norman Osborn. Yeah, and then you got your B villain. Who I don't know who it would be. Craven the Hunter. I don't know <laughs> who it would be. Something like that. that mm. That'd be a cool like, like like little formula. Like Spider-Man has to go to the henchman to get to the main villain. Yeah, that'd, that'd well, be kind of cool. I mean, it would be overplayed after a certain point, right? That's true. Maybe one more film of that. That'd be yeah, yeah. Cool. I think that like Scor- if they you did like a Scorpion and like a Jackal, hmm. like. But, but then you have to bring in so, clones, though. Because someone but. has to give Scorpion his suit, right? Someone has to mm. give him his power. Yeah, right. And he's obviously like a street tough. He's not an engineer. No, he's not. So you'd have to find some villain that has that technology and like yeah. power to do that. But now you have Tinkerer. Jameson with a big bank account. <laughs> but you, oh, have, you have Tinkerer, though. True. Like, Tinkerer can make whatever you want, though. But he wasn't their henchman, though. He wasn't. He's definitely just, hey, I'm an artist. 
just let me make my stuff. He's not a, like a leader of men. Like no, Vulture, no, no. Like, yeah, yeah, you're right. But what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say is you don't necessarily have to have a Spider-Man villain that can build it himself. Oh, that, that villain yeah. can get Tinkerer to build Scorpion a suit. True that. You true know? That. So you can have, but I'm just trying to think aesthetically what works best with Scorpion. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and like who would be a master like planner type villain. And Jackal is a master planner type villain. I don't know much about Jackal except they try to get the Punisher to kill Spider-Man. Maybe he could do uh, something with the chameleon a little bit. And have him be like the... Yeah. I mean, that'd be kind of... The brains behind the thing. It it would be cool to see like Spider-Man's non-big villains get movie like interpretation as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they did the chameleon as in like almost like a spy thriller type thing. Yeah, that could be interesting. You know what I mean? Like there's like a conspiracy going on in the school maybe. You know what I mean? Um... Like there's like a new kid who's a little bit better than Peter Parker, and Peter Parker gets a little bit jealous, and he just doesn't know how to deal with it. I but wouldn't mind Harry being that kid. Ooh. If Harry Osborn was smarter than Parker. Oh yeah. Because so far they've always played him in every interpretation. Harry's not as as uh, smart as Peter Parker. That makes what sense. if he was smarter? What if Norman Osborn wouldn't have a dumb child? Do you think we'll see Norman Osborn at any point in this universe? I think in number three. Yeah, that's absolutely. what I think. He's too big to not show up at some point. He's oh. his Joker, huh? So you can't. Yeah, at some point you have. Well, to I think he's that. more. Like, yeah, he's his Joker, but he's also a Lex Luthor type. Mm-hmm. Where he doesn't just go to jail. No, you know what? I'm gonna be honest with you. When he th- became the like leader of Hammer, that was one of the best comic book like storylines ever. Oh, like, you like the Dark Reign? Oh, I love the Dark Reign because yeah. I read Secret Wars. Yeah. And I love the ending because you think, oh, uh, Secret what, Invasion. I'm so sorry, guys. Yeah. Secret Invasion. One of the. One of the Avengers is going to kill him. And it's Norman Osborn. Yeah. And then he gets everything. And it's like the villains finally win. I, yeah. I really dug that. Well, Dark Reign goes into Siege. And Siege was crazy seeing all the villains try to uh, like pillage Asgard. Right. And yeah. so there's a lot you can do with Norman Osborn. We'll see what happens. Who, who If you could fan cast him now, who would it be? I Okay. You remember the Thunderbolts run? Yeah. You remember the actor who he's drawn as? He's specifically no. drawn as uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Really? Yeah, really? in the Thunderbolts run, that artist just draws him as Tommy Lee Jones. I gotta take a look at that again. Yeah. No way. Yeah. So Tommy Lee Jones for me. Oh man, I, I could see that. He might be. He's gonna be seventy though. Yeah, he's dude, gonna be he's... seventy something by let, now. Let Norman Osborn be old. <laughs> I well, I liked the idea that Chris Cooper was Norman Osborn in the Amazing Spider-Man Two, but they never did anything with him. Yeah, oh, he just really? kind of yeah. died. Chris Cooper <laughs> was Norman Osborn. I didn't watch. I that like movie. Chris Cooper a lot. Chris Cooper, yeah, he was awesome in Cars Three, by the way. No, <laughs> I didn't see Cars Three. He's the mentor in Cars Three. Oh, okay. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, so, um, there's a lot that Spider Man's going to be doing. So, I think that it's a lot of really awesome things to uh, look forward to. Don't you guys agree? Uh, yeah, oh, yes. Daniel Day Lewis. Maybe that's his camp. His his his, his comeback role. Oh, that would be Can wonderful. you imagine <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis? <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis as Mysterio. Fuck it. Anybody as Mysterio. Jesus Christ, when will Mysterio get his day in the sun? He is one of my favorite Spider-Man villains. Fishbowl character. And he's very, like, he's very age-appropriate in terms of, like, our era, because we're all mistrustful. There's all this fake news stuff going on. You don't know what's real, because there's no, like, sources to back stuff up. Dude, a Mysterio-Chameleon team-up would make the most sense. It would make the most sense. Right? Because they're all about, you know, Fooling you into believing something that isn't true. What if you had this mindfuck conspiracy Spider-Man movie? Oh, oh. Mysterio is the new like hotshot teacher 
who like seduces Peter Parker into him to get all his secrets, and then he uses it to dismantle his life piece mm. by piece. Damn. That'd be Just make sick. it so where Peter doesn't know what to believe, and it's oh. kind of like Memento, where he's just kind of going nuts. Like, it may ah. dies, but she doesn't actually die. Yeah. <laughs> Throw that out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can get Lance Henriksen to play Mysterio. Who's Lance mm-hmm. Henriksen? When you can't get Christopher Walken, you get Lance Henriksen. <laughs> Who's Lance Henriksen? He's the dude that played. Um, <laughs> he was the the cyborg guy, or not cyborg. Um, He's the android. android guy from Aliens. Remember this scene where he gets mm. like torn in half by the alien queen at the end? I don't remember. I actually never seen Aliens. <gasps> I've never oh. seen Aliens. Yeah. Oh my god! We got to do intervention on you. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I got it on Blu-ray. I'll let you borrow it. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all the time that we have for you guys today. Uh, I remember, uh, I, I, we can't do it without you guys. So thank you guys for listening to the show, to previous episodes. This is episode six and like, we've gone six episodes of, of us just talking and you guys are listening and that is awesome. Um, we are on social media. We have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash the We have Instagram and Twitter at the Keeg show. We have youtube.com slash the Keeg. Uh, feel free, like, comment, subscribe. Uh, it really and helps share. us. And share. Because if you guys like what you guys are hearing, please feel free and spread the word. We need organic shares to make sure the audience reaches people outside of our network. Yeah. It's all about organic, man. We mm-hmm. want free range podcasts. Am I right? <laughs> right? No pens. All right? Yes. Uh, so you guys can listen to us uh, on iTunes. You can catch this podcast on iTunes, on Google Play, on SoundCloud. Uh, we're on all three. So wherever you guys want to want to digest that, uh, feel free. You can share it straight off of SoundCloud. Uh, so thank you so much for your guys' time listening in. Thank you, Matt, for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, where can we see you or hear you or taste you or whatever <laughs> next? Uh, you could see me uh, sitting on my ass um, playing Zelda uh, most afternoons. Um, I'm on the show every now and then. Um, also, I am in charge of the Keeg's social media. So, yeah, get at me on there. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of memes, a lot of cool stuff, right? That you get yes. posting there. I, I'm all about making people laugh and stuff on those. So yeah, that's my goal with that. All right, all right, Fernando. Uh, I'm an improviser, but I won't plug that right now because I have a lot of that. But actually, if you want to follow me, I do have like uh, my Instagram where I talk about comic books every now and then. Right, this is about comic books. That's at Fernando A. Funes. Just look me up, and I have some poems and pictures, and it's like my little like you know one post at a time magazine. I'm going to write a, a comic book post for the show today because those are a lot of fun. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, just follow me on Instagram and Twitter. That's the same thing. And uh, I have a blog called the thesisyphuslife.wordpress.com where I talk about comic books and culture and books and arts and memoirs. Great, great, great. Uh, once again, thank you so much for listening to our show. Uh, we can't do it without you guys. Uh, we can't do it without, you, without your our guests, Fernando and Matt. And we can't do it without you guys listening in. So thank you so much. Once again, I'm your host, Dimitri Pereira, and this has been The Keeg.